Hi, this is Ned Siegfried from Siegfried & Jensen. As proud sponsors of BeliefCast, we hope you are inspired by Todd's weekly podcasts, which contain so many courageous stories of recovery and personal growth. Remember, it's not what happened in the past that matters, it's what happens in the future. We invite you all to work hard and be optimistic about your future. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you, as always, for tuning in and for believing in me and believing in the message that we share and, and supporting the guests that I bring on. I want to give a shout out to my sponsors, Siegfried and Jensen, Wasatch Recovery, and Thread Wallets. And the beautiful music that you're hearing at the beginning and the ending of this episode is uh, by my good friend Paul Cardall. So I'm grateful for him for allowing us to use his beautiful music. And again, thanks for being here today. You're in for a treat as always. I mean, the guests that I bring on are fantastic and today's going to be no different. Today we're joined by Brady Murray. Brady, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Todd. Great to be here. Yeah, so good to have you. We, you know, we were just talking. We ran into each other at uh, Good Things Utah. We were both going to be on TV on the same day, and it had been a few years. Uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to be a speaker at one of your events, and uh, that's how we initially met. Yep. And to cross paths again was a God moment for me, and and I'm just grateful that uh, we were here, sitting here now, doing this podcast. Yeah, it was for me as well. So I'm also very thankful to be here. Yeah, so you guys, um, Brady's got his hands in a lot of things. He loves to help other people, especially the underdog. Um, he is the founder of Rod's Heroes. Um, he's um, always trying to make a difference, like I said, especially for someone who's maybe doesn't have you know the best cards dealt to him in life. And I can't wait for you to hear what he's doing. Um, I want to start off with a quote that you shared with me, actually. And the quote goes like this, the person you become is determined by the books you read and the people you surround yourself with. So what does that mean and why does that mean so much to you? Yeah, I, I was actually taught that by a mentor of mine that was has been very influential to me over my life. But I just believe wholeheartedly that anybody that's going to write a book, they're going to put their heart and soul into that. And they're going to give you everything that they've got inside from the heart. And so yeah. that's a gift. That's a genuine nugget that comes from them. So books are amazing, amazing gifts. And then obviously I believe strongly that, that the people that we surround ourselves with, those are the people that we are going to become. My parents always told me, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And I believe wow. that wholeheartedly. Yeah. And I've heard it said, it's pretty popular. You, you know, people have heard this where you hang around, you know, four millionaires, you'll be the fifth. Mm-hmm. You hang around four unhealthy people, you'll be the fifth unhealthy person. Right. So it does matter who we rub shoulders with. Right. It does. And it really makes a difference. And so, I mean, you've done a lot of good. Um, you're currently, like we said, the founder of Rod's Heroes, which is a nonprofit dedicated to helping um, orphan children who have Down syndrome and other special needs finding loving homes. Now, that's a big task. I mean, huge task. Um, it's, it's, it's really starting to thrive right now. But before we get there, I want to figure out why do you do this? So maybe we start with, tell us a little bit about where you grew up and about your family and then what kind of led to what you're doing today. Yeah, great question. Um, I believe wholeheartedly in the concept of serving the pain that you know best. And Mm. I believe that life entrusts us with experiences. Some of those experiences we choose and some of them we don't and they just simply happen to us. But through those experiences, we have 
different things that'll transpire that allow us to be able to become who we're supposed to be. And so when I was young, I was actually, so you'd introduced me as Brady Murray. I was actually born Brady Gomez Mm. and my mom and dad married at a young age and they had me. And shortly thereafter, after I was born, they got divorced. And that was a very tough situation for my mom and for my dad for that matter. And uh, when I was four, my mom remarried a man by the name of Reed Murray. And he later adopted me when I was 13 years old. And so all throughout my life, um, I, I, you know, fast forward to the end of the story, I have a wonderful relationship with my adoptive father and actually a wonderful relationship with my uh, birth father as well, Danny Gomez. And so I feel very strongly that I'm one of the lucky ones that truly has two dads and very thankful for that. But yeah, growing up, um, going through, you know, the divorce at a very young age. And then unfortunately my parents actually got divorced, uh, when I was 16 as well. So my Mm. adoptive father and my, my mom got divorced when I was 16. And so I saw a lot of different things, um, growing up and experienced a lot of things that, um, some amazing, great things that I wouldn't trade for anything. And, other things that were, were not ideal, you know, that were not ideal situations. And so I just wholeheartedly, like deep in my soul, know how much a child loves their mom and dad and how much their mom and dad mean to them. And I, I have experienced that from a very young age into my teenage years, how dependent I am on, I was on that and I still am to this day. And so again, under that concept of serving the pain that you know best, I can't fathom a child that doesn't have a mom and dad, that doesn't have a family, that's in an orphanage somewhere in this world, whether that's in the United States, here in Utah, or overseas, I just can't fathom that. And that's really my life's work, is I want to be able to help those kids that don't have a family, be able to get a family, and in particular, those kids that have special needs like Down syndrome, um, they are innocent. They are pure. And um, again, the thought of an innocent, pure child with Down syndrome not having a family, I I don't like the thoughts of that. Well, I think it's good to tell our listeners too, you have 11 children. Soon to be 11. Soon soon to be 11. And you have uh, out of the 11, soon to be 11, are seven of them adopted? There will be seven. There'll yes. be seven because you're adopting someone. Yeah, we have uh, we have seven children as of today, as of this recording. Okay. Maybe when this is published, we'll have the eleven. Probably, right? yeah. But we're in the process <laughs> of adopting a sibling group of four children from Columbia, all siblings. Wow. And um, so that will give us eleven, which which is even kind of weird in Utah, actually. <laughs> so. Yeah, right. It's like, you know, six, seven, eight. You can kind of like, yeah, yeah I get you it. Get up to eleven. But when you uh, get past ten. <laughs> <laughs> but two of our kids have Down syndrome, right. um, one biological son, one adopted, and seven of the 11 will have been adopted. Yeah, and I've met one of them. Coop, That's right. right. You met Coop. Coop is, guys, Coop is like, he's an angel, man. And I know you know this, you, but when I met him, you know, Coop made me feel like I was his best friend, yep. right? And we met on the set at uh, Good Things Utah, so that was really neat to be able to do that. But again, this is a testament to what you're saying yeah. is that you you're you're putting your money where your mouth is so to speak you're practicing what you preach mm-hmm. let me let's go back a little bit if that's okay brady when you were younger did you know that 
you were adopted early on? Did you know about it or was it yeah. kind of like held from you? Or? Yeah, you know, that was a, a unique thing. And again, back to that concept of serving the pain that you know best. Um, when I was younger, that was really not something that was openly discussed. Um, oftentimes, even before, you know, my time, I'd say kids would go their whole life, not even know they were adopted. Right. And so when I went through it, I knew, you know, I knew the details of everything, but it definitely wasn't something that we discussed as a family. Okay. It wasn't an open discussion as a family. And in fact, I remember feeling, um, conflict and a little bit of just, it was, it was conflict. If we ever talked about Okay. my other dad or, right. you know, my other family. Um, that was not something that we openly discussed and okay. I didn't, that wasn't natural. Like that wasn't a part of, yeah. of, of what I felt like was right because at the end of the day, it takes a village to raise a child. And like, I'm thankful for everybody that had contributed in my life. And so yeah. that has helped us a lot in our adoptions now okay. where we go out of our way to make sure that our, um, the parents of the children that, that we have adopted, like we're teammates, you mm. know, we're teammates yeah. and you take examples. I'll, I'll give you two examples. Please, yeah. Coop is 11. Coop has down syndrome. He was abandoned on a street corner of a city of 14 million people in mainland China when he was wow. guesstimated to be six months old. Wow. And so he, he literally was left on a street corner and the authorities came, picked him up, took him to an orphanage. That's where he stayed until we adopted him when he was four years old. I've obviously never met Coop's mom, but I love her. I'm thankful for her. And, and we're working on behalf of this little guy. And um, my heart goes out to her because she doesn't know where her son yeah. is or what he's doing right now. Yeah. And I don't know oh. the circumstances that she faced that brought her to bring sure. that child yeah. to, that, to that situation. I don't know those demons or those challenges that she faced, but I don't judge her one bit. And I believe just like any mother is just doing the very best that they can. And so, you know, whether I get to meet her in this life or the next, yeah. I can't wait to thank her and to tell her all about her son and the great things that he's doing. And so then you have another yeah. circumstance with the other kids that we've adopted. Um, we were able to foster two little girls. Um, very unique situation. Um, Andrea and I felt just felt in our hearts that we should do foster care. This would have been in 2018, 17. Yeah. And that was not logical. That was way outside my comfort zone. <laughs> I did not want to do that. Right. Um, yeah. Andrea has a special way of encouraging me without <laughs> commanding, yeah. right? Sure, sure. And my heart softened and we went for it. And our very first placement, um, I remember I was out of town with my son. We were on a fishing trip. We were up in Alaska. And uh, Andrea called and she said, hey, DCFS just called. They have two little girls, ages two and one. Mm. They need a home. And so they said that they would only be here for a couple of weeks max, maybe even just a couple of days. And what do you think? And I said, well... I don't know. What do you think? And yeah. she said, too late. They're already here. <laughs> so she told them, <laughs> yes, please bring them by. And she said, you don't need to worry about it. You're yeah. going to be gone for a week of the two weeks that they're here anyway. So we're all set. I said, I trust you, honey. <laughs> it's all good. And we wow. um, found out that they, these two little girls were um, traveling from California back to Colorado. They're from Colorado okay. with their mom. And as they were coming through Utah, they, uh, there was a car accident on I-15 by Provo and the police came and they found drugs in the car. 
um, they found that uh, mom was was high mm. and that these girls little girls needed to be taken away mom went to jail the little girls came to our house and um we fostered them like i said we were put on two weeks two weeks turned into two months yeah. two months turned into two years and um, throughout that entire time i made it andrew and i both made it an incredibly important point yeah. that we wanted to have a great relationship with their mom and we did we wow. did everything in our power to give as much contact as she wanted like we're teammates raising yeah. this girl and these wow. little girls. And we were just trying to get these little girls back to their mom and get their mom to a place where she could take them back. And as, as life is like, it's, it's hard. Right. Yeah. And like my life heart goes be. out for their mom, but it came to two years in, um, it was on Christmas day. Um, she asked us, she said, asked if we would consider adopting her little girls. Wow. And I'll never forget that experience because she is you can imagine was very emotional she's in her 20s she's been dealt a really hard hand at life since yeah. she was the little girl's age right, right. As, as often is the pattern and she she asked us she was very emotional and andrea and i looked at each other and looked at her and said of course we'll do this for you and and she was so thankful and then this just shows like where her heart was it was only after that that she said would it be okay if I continue to be part of my little girl's life? And we said, of course you can. Wow. But she was willing yeah. to walk away if it meant wow. giving those little girls a better life. And so that um, that is an important thing for us is we want, like we are teammates. Yeah. We are raising these girls together with their mom. And, and we in, incorporate her into anything yeah. and everything that we possibly can. And you know, I think that stems back to just my experience as a, as a child, maybe not having that teammate feel. Right. Wow. That's, that's so beautiful, man. My heart is just swelling up. Thank you for sharing that. And I can tell, I mean, you're getting emotional as you talk about this, like how much this means to you. And I think it's pretty rare from what I understand is the, you know, allowing them to be a part you know, allowing the mom to be a part of their lives and stuff. And, but yeah, how beautiful that is at the same time, because then everybody wins. That's right. Right. Instead of someone being on the outside going, you know what? I feel horrible. I feel, I can't even talk, you know, I mean, there's so many, I know there's different there's factors, a lot of layers, a lot of layers but that you guys are willing to do that is pretty incredible. At the end of the day, it's all about that kid. And I, I get, you know, I, I get it. Like I get, when I was a kid and you know, yeah. my stepdad, my adoptive father and my biological father and them having, you know, that's my son. No, that's like, I get that. But at the end of the day, what was the right thing for this little guy? Like what's the right thing and the best thing for that little guy. And when parents can, can see beyond that and see beyond some of those challenges that they may have relationship wise with the other person and put the child first, it becomes a lot easier at that time. Wow. I love what you said. It's at the end of the day, it's about the kid. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if parents who, I mean, again, we're all doing the best that we can with what we know. And I love that you said that a little earlier. That's right. You know, about Coop's mom. Absolutely. Like we, you know, we don't know the whole story. And I, I once heard this, uh, Brady, that if we could walk in the shoes of someone else from the time they were born to the, the very moment today, there's no way we could possibly hate them. 
That's right. It's impossible because then we would go, oh, I fully understand why they might be acting in a negative way over here because look what happened when they you know, went through this. You know That's what I right. mean? And I think you obviously understand that because of what you've been through. That's right. Right? Serve the pain you know best. I love that. Serve the pain. And I'm going to add to this, and my listeners probably get sick of me saying this statement, but I believe it with all my heart. Life happens for us. I mean, think about this. You wouldn't be doing any of this had you not been through what you went through as a kid. That's right. Right? That's right. And so you're right. Now you're going to go serve that because that's what you know. That's right. It's kind of like with me with uh, drug addiction and things like that. I get it. So that's what I do. You know, I'm trying to help people in that realm and, and do right. my best in that area. And so well, and it happened for me. Like I say, life entrusts us with experiences, some of which we choose a lot of which we don't choose. Yeah. And it's what we do with those experiences that ultimately is going to make the best difference, the biggest difference. You're a perfect example of paying it forward, serving the pain that you know best, taking life's experiences that was entrusted to you, maybe yeah. not by choice and maybe some by choice, yeah. and serving the pain that you know best to help others navigate through it. Yeah, That's the idea behind it. Wow. Beautifully said. Thank you. Well, let's talk about uh, Rod's Heroes and explain that to our listeners and our followers and our viewers now, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're you're one of the you're the second person in the new studio, right? There we go. This is so cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, why don't you explain to uh, all of us what that is, why you put that together and then what your, you know, goals with all of it? Yep. So, I was uh, newly married to my beautiful wife of 21 years now. We were expecting our first child and we had a beautiful daughter, Brindley, who's 17. Mm. And then shortly thereafter, we were expecting our first son. And I um, am, a, am a dad's dad and I love baseball and outdoors <laughs> yes, <you do. laughs> and hunting and hiking and fishing, yeah. everything that you know you do with, with your boys. And I've since learned you can do just as good or even better with your little girls too. Right. But yeah. I was so excited for Nash, our son to be born and it was a hot July summer. Um, we, we, the delivery came, Andrea did an amazing, amazing job. I was just so fired up. I'm taking pictures, videos, doing everything that a dad would do. And before right. I knew it, there he was. And I counted 10 fingers, 10 toes. He was perfect. He looked amazing. And I just had all these visions for what I would do with my son. Yeah. It was a few minutes after Nash was born, I noticed that the doctor and the nurses were very quiet. In fact, they were whispering back and forth. Even it, it seemed like something was up. Yeah, something you could feel wrong. something yep. was up. Yeah. And about 10 minutes after he was born, the doctor came over, put his arm around me, and said the words that changed my life forever. And he said, Brady... We, um, we believe your son has Down syndrome. And that was the first I had heard of that. Right. I was not ready for that. Um, I was very emotional. Um, I, I became very fearful. I just had a lot of thoughts going through my mind. Yeah, I can imagine. And um, just like, what does this mean for our family? And, and like, I'll be very transparent. Like a lot of these thoughts were selfish thoughts. Like, what does this mean to our family? What does yeah. this mean to Andrea and I's dream of, are we able, able to retire someday? Or will we have a dependent yeah. child? Like all these thoughts are just amazing. Like coming through your mind and it's just a dark, dark place. And then I got really scared because I knew what the doctor had told me. And I knew that my wife who had just gone through labor, she didn't know about her son. Oh, wow. And I had to go tell her. 
And so I, I just wow. said a, a silent prayer in my heart wow. and just really tried to gather myself and be strong, you know. And I walked over to the bed and I leaned down and knelt down next to her bed and, and became emotional again. And yeah. I just said, honey, the, the doctor just told me that they think our son has Down syndrome. And I will never forget this moment. She looked at me and she smiled and she said, great, can I hold my son? And... Uh, I I wow. I was not as mature as Andrea, and I was not at the place where Andrea was. I'm still not there, but um, I knew, I knew it was going to be okay. And so, you know, over the next days and weeks and months, we spent time with our son, and and I realized very quickly this is not a bad thing. This is a good thing. This yeah. is a big big blessing. There was a spirit, there was a feeling wow. that existed with that boy, that I just knew. This was a very special, special thing that, in essence, life had entrusted us yes. with this sweet little boy. Yeah. And I wanted to be a great steward of that. And yeah. so we, we fast forward over the years, we leaned in wholeheartedly, all things Down syndrome, went to every Down syndrome event, read every <laughs> right. Down syndrome book. We're the biggest Down syndrome fam, family and fan in the world. Right. And it was through that involvement that we learned um, about what happens to children in many countries when they're born with a disability like Down syndrome. We learned that it's common practice. Take, for example, the example of Coop. When a child's Coop, born yeah. with Down syndrome, they're typically abandoned. They go to an institute or, a, or a, an orphanage, and that's, that's where they stay. But we also learned that there's actually a lot of families that are ready and willing to adopt these kids. They just simply don't have the financial means to do so. Yeah. So we saw these pictures of these kids that were in dire circumstances that were the same age as our son. He was four at the time, but did not look like our son. They were skin and bones. They were malnutrition. Oh, like they were in a bad, bad place. And we also saw these families that wanted to adopt these kids. And the, the gap, the issue, the bridge or the, the gap was the cost. And so international adoption costs on average about $40,000 to mm. trans to, to pull off. Right. And these families just didn't have that. And so we thought, Hey, let's try and bridge that gap. So it was Christmas that year. It was right during Christmas. We said, family and friends, we don't want a Christmas present. There's a little boy. We'd learned about a little boy in Lithuania named Eli that we wanted to advocate for. He's yeah. four years old, had never been inquired about adopting. In fact, up to that point, there had never been an adoption transpire of a child with Down syndrome mm -hmm. in the country of Lithuania in its history. Really? So we're trying to advocate for this young man. We witnessed a miracle. In a couple of weeks, we raised $20,000, half of an, half an adoption of it, yeah. cost. Wow. And within two weeks later, we had a family in Indiana that committed to adopt Eli. Eli became the first child in Lithuania to be adopted with Down syndrome. And that was over 10 years ago. He's crushing it. You should see him now. Like, he's just awesome. Like, I've met him, and he's an amazing, amazing young man. But that was actually what started the concept of creating a foundation to help families be able to adopt kids like like Eli and like Coop. Wow, that was amazing. What a... And, and to think that was their first one ever. That was. Like, uh, you would think that, you know, there have been hundreds and thousands, you would hope. Yeah. But first one ever. Numero wow. uno. So that obviously was like, okay, we could do more with this. Yep. We can, you know, if we can do it for one, maybe we can do it for more. And if I'm not mistaken, I think you've uh, placed 100 Yeah, we're just children. over 100 now. We're just shy of 100 kids with Down syndrome and well over 100 now with all of our kids that have with Down the, syndrome or special needs. Oh, gotcha. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
Yeah. Well, so, you know, when we met at Good Things Utah, um, you were talking about uh, these kids that are running for, mm-hmm. running miles for, I, I can't remember exactly what I was yeah. Talk about what what's what are people doing to get involved? In yeah. That? Talk about how baseball fits into all this. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> something I've learned is when you allow yourself to get caught up in a cause bigger than yourself, you witness miracles. And we've just truly seen some Ooh. miracles transpire. Love that. So. A lot of times individuals will ask, what does ROD stand for? R-O-D-S. That's kind of mm-hmm. unique. Yeah. And it actually stands for Racing for Orphans with Down Syndrome. And that's where ROD's came into oh, okay. place. The, the way that we actually advocated for kids in the beginning was myself and I had other friends would go and race Ironman triathlons and raise funding and awareness through doing Ironmans. And so that was oh. the idea behind it. That's where ROD's came from. Okay. So fast forward now, we actually have thousands of kids, um, many, many kids, many families, thousands literally that are running for kids. So kids with families running for kids without families and how it works as they go. We have programs all throughout the state expanding throughout the country next year to where kids will go and run throughout the summer and be able to run as far as they can uh, each and every day for 30 minutes and then also raise funding to help these kids to be able to be adopted. <laughs> so that, that's our Rod's Heroes program. Really cool. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And then, you know, baseball has been a big part. Mm-hmm. Coop uh, actually is like the star. He's been going out to these Major League Baseball games and throwing the first pitch. So this is right? crazy. <laughs> it is another miracle. Yeah. Coop's 11 now. And believe it or not, he's a really good little athlete. And yeah. a very confident, life of the party type of kid. Oh, I could like, tell when I just met him. Comfortable yeah. with everybody. Totally. So uh, through our TikTok page, um, we actually had a player from the Cubs reach out last fall. Him and his wife reach out and say, "We love what you guys are doing. We want to help. Do you have any interest in coming to spring training?" We're like, "Absolutely, let's yeah. do it." Yeah. And so we are planning on going down to Arizona, go to a Cubs spring training, be able to meet these guys. It's Justin and Libby Steele. And believe it or not, Justin is the leading win for all MLB right now. He has the most wins in all MLB. So I think there's some good karma that's coming his way oh, for absolutely. the good man that he is. Yeah. But, um, you know, we go down there and it was on a whim, like last minute. We thought, Coop's actually a pretty good little baseball player. I wonder if there's a chance for him to throw out the first pitch at spring training. And so we asked Justin, he said, let's do it. And Coop went out and we just didn't know how that was going to go, but he crushed it like really? he is a showman and the cubs saw that and they said you've got to come to wrigley field this summer and have coop throw out the first pitch we said for sure we went out to wrigley on wow. may 29th on memorial day <laughs> he threw out the first pitch and just wowed the crowd they loved it two weeks later he got invited to go to fenway and throw out the first pitch at the red sox we're like, okay, we're on to something. Yes. This kid is good at, at what he's doing, but it's helping other kids like him be able oh, to get man. adopted. Yeah. And so it was then that we officially created the campaign for Cooper to throw out the first pitch in all 30 MLB stadiums with the purpose to be able to help 30 kids like him that have Down syndrome or other special needs get adopted. Wow. And so we've just launched that campaign. Um, we were blessed just a couple of days ago to go to Atlanta throughout the first pitch at a Braves game. The catcher <laughs> was my childhood hero. 
Um, Dale Murphy, who Dale played Murphy, for the Braves yeah, for all geez, those years, he caught Coop on that really? pitch. And then uh, we're going out to New York in a couple more weeks for a Mets game. He's throwing out the first pitch there. Oh, but And Coop wears a, a, a cape, right? He does. <laughs> yeah, awesome. he wears a cape. Yeah, you totally should check him out on his – he's got a great Instagram and TikTok following. It's Team Coop 21 you can see all about it on yeah, there. Yeah, I've, I've, I follow him now since I met mm-hmm. met with you. And um, yeah, he's, he like you said, he's the life of the party. He is. But I love what this is doing, though. It's creating awareness mm-hmm. and it's it's getting uh, help for these kids that need the help, right? That's right. And what a better way to do this, right? Yep, that's and right. as much as you've, now you've always loved baseball, right? Yep, I'm a is, big baseball guy. What, did that just start when you were younger? You just always fell in love with it? Super cool story. So I shared Del Murphy was was who caught Coop yeah. at the Braves game. And that was yeah. very symbolic and very special for me. Um, when I was five years old, we lived in Kemmer, Wyoming in a trailer court. And I remember one day in the summer, a bunch of older kids from the neighborhood said, Brady, Come home and play baseball with us. And again, I'm five. I'd never picked up a bat or a ball. Didn't know anything about the game. <laughs> yeah. And we went over to this empty lot where they just pulled the trailer out. And um, they said, all right, you get to be Del Murphy. And I'm like, who's Del Murphy? Yeah, who's that? And they said, he's the best big leaguer out there. He's the best in the whole world. And I'm like, all right, I like it. I'll be yeah. Del Murphy. <laughs> and so right then is what started just this childhood hero and this love for baseball and this love for Dale Murphy. So fast forward, that was 1983, all through the 80s, going into the 90s, I followed Dale Murphy in his career. I became a huge Atlanta Braves fan and like live, eat, drink baseball. In fact, I would say when my parents got divorced when I was 16, um, mm. baseball was how I coped. Like oh, okay. I, I, I lived, ate, drank baseball. Like that was my out. And, um, and so I just have a deep respect and admiration for the game. And so, you know, when Coop got the invite to go throw out the first pitch to the Braves, I just thought, how cool would that be if Del Murphy was the catcher? And, and so I, I asked the Braves, I said, Hey guys, um, do you think this would be possible? And, and they're like, yeah, no, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, that, sorry, kid, you know, that type right, of a yeah, thing. Right, yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought, Hey, like, we're just thankful to be there. And so this was just Saturday. Um, we were there and like growing up watching all these players and, and it was alumni weekend. So a lot of the players from the eighties and nineties were there and they were recognizing them and we were right there on the field with them. And I'm just, just, it was a spiritual moment for me. Like I as much imagine. as I don't like, like I just, I just am very thankful for the game and thankful for the Braves that I got to watch all growing up. That was my out in so yes. many ways. Wow. And so the time came for Coop to be able to uh, throw out the first pitch. I was nervous as I always am. And Coop's just calm as ever. Yeah, he's, he's just another no day at the fear. ballpark right? Yeah. for him. <laughs> and uh, out walks Del Murphy from the dugout. And I'm like, there's my, there's my childhood hero. did you not know until that point? I didn't You're know. You're kidding and I saw he had a mitt, and uh, and I looked to the person with the Braves, and I said, "Is he, is he catching coop?" And she just smiled, and she said, "Yep." And I immediately just became emotional, and and coop ran out on the field, and there he is, Del Murphy behind the plate, catching my son that was abandoned on a street corner, 
in a really big city out there doing this, paying it forward, serving the pain wow. that he knows best yeah. to help other kids. And Coop goes out, and when he goes out, he likes to go out on the mound, and he waves. Like I yeah. say, he's a oh, showman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then uh, I usually go out with him, and then I'll have him come up to halfway, maybe even a little more than halfway, because, you know, he's 11. He's yeah, got to throw a strike, yeah, right? Yeah, right. And, uh, so the Braves didn't allow me to go out. So Coop just went on his own and he's on the mound and he just came right in front of the mound, just barely. It was a long throw and I was yelling at him. I'm like, Coop, go closer, buddy, (laughs) go closer. And he didn't hear me. And so I see him start winding up. I'm like, oh boy, where's this going? And and that kid threw a perfect strike. I'm talking perfect strike i think all of us were like did that just happen but it truly was just an icing on the cake and dell came over and was so kind and and i got to visit with him for a few minutes he signed cooper's ball that he threw out what a what a gift talk about miracles right talk about little tender tender mercies tender mercies that's a special time for sure holy cow thanks for sharing that that Mm -hmm. is amazing well and and i've I'm of of the believer too. When we're doing good things, good things happen. That's right. They just do. And you know, I work with a lot of clients, you know, who are struggling, you know, mm-hmm. you know, all, with all kinds of stuff. And what I've found, what would eliminate most of their troubles, is if they just start focusing on doing the the next right thing. Yeah. You know, and and I, I and I get it. That can seem overwhelming to someone who's hasn't been able to do that, if you yep. will. But just starting to do the right thing, just a little at a time. Yep. You start feeling better. You start That's feeling right. better about yourself. And then all of a sudden, it's almost as if the world softens up towards you. Yep. Right? That's right. I don't know. I, I well, just was I, thinking of that as you were I sharing that. I have a story that I can share about please, that. Please, please, yeah. Um, that goes right along those lines. Um, I love, uh, like I said, I was doing some Ironmans, and I love endurance events. I love doing yeah, hard gonna, things. That was going to be my next question, yep. by the way. Get out, get out of your comfort zone type of stuff. And yeah. um, last year... I had the opportunity to do a Navy SEAL crucible event. And so in essence, they it's a group of Navy SEALs that put on these events that allow for civilians to sign up and essentially go through Hell Week, a yeah. simulation of Hell Week that they do. And the crucible that I signed up for was a 52-hour crucible, and you start early Friday morning, and you don't stop until Sunday afternoon. You don't sleep. You don't stop. Like you get to eat, so that's a good thing. A good thing. But you're, you know, in the Pacific Ocean. You're doing the log PT. You're you're doing all the. You're doing a, a Navy SEAL crucible. You're experiencing Hell Week. Wow. And they told us at the very beginning. They said, if you are doing this for yourself, you will not make it. The mm. only way you will survive this is if you are doing this for your teammates. And they said, there will come a time when you are out there that you are going to be in the darkest place you have ever been in your life, that you are going to feel horrible. You will know that you can't go any further, yet we will be in your face and like as firm as we've ever been telling you, you have to go further or we're kicking you out. And they said, the only way you will get through those moments is if you remember to look to your left and look to your right and look at your teammates and start to focus on them. Stop focusing on yourself, start Mm. focusing on them and see what happens. And I remember like mentally logging that and thinking, 
yeah, that's great. But like at the end of the day, like I know I've got to be mentally tough to get through this. Well, sure, sure enough, we got to, yeah. I think it actually was on Sunday. It was on Sunday morning. We were 40 or so hours into it. Hadn't slept for a couple of days and we were in a dark place. And I thought they'd maybe go a touch easier on that last day. Yeah, you know, there was only seven of us left and like we were close group and we'd proven ourselves. And I thought, Hey, like, give us a break. But <laughs> No, the no, last no, no, day no. was the hardest and it was got to a point where we were doing, um, pushups, like just old fashioned pushups in the mud. They're spraying hoses on us or throwing ice on us. They're yelling at us or smoke bombs are thrown in there. Just telling us like how worthless we are, how horrible we look like just, that's just part of the yeah, thing. Oh, right? Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember doing so many push-ups that I got to a place where I couldn't do another one and my face was just in the mud. And I was thinking, I literally can't do any more. And uh, I remembered what they said. And so I looked to my left and I saw my teammate, Liam, whose face was in the mud too. Oh, and I man. said, Liam, you got this brother. Like, I know you can do this. You got this, you got this. And he looks over at me and he starts pushing up and he's doing this. And then I look to my right and I see my other teammate there. And I'm like, Schultz, you got this, brother. Like, you got this. And he looks at me and he's like, you got this, bro. He starts pushing. And all of a sudden, before I knew it, I was doing push-ups too. Because I was looking at them. I was looking to my left. I was looking to my right. And those brothers were helping me. But if I would have just kept looking in the mud and saying, I can't do anymore. Yeah. They were right. I couldn't. Yeah. But by looking to my teammates, I knew I could do more. And we got through it. We got wow. through it. That is amazing. Thank you for sharing that. The, um, I'm getting emotional because, one, just who you are. You're amazing. Just that you would do something like that. The only way I can relate is I, I've done a few Spartans, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, which isn't on that level. But it's, in, it's the it's hardest. It's intense. For me, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah. And I remember... Um, so I've done it three times this third year. I, the first two years I was with my son and son-in-law and a bunch mm -hmm. of their friends. The second year I was with my son and son-in-law. This third year they weren't doing it and I was by myself. Mm -hmm. Now, by myself in the sense that I didn't know anybody. Yeah. And I'll tell you, that was probably one of the most challenging part about doing this this year is I didn't have that support. But I remember being on the mountain and I get choked up. I don't want to make this about me, but it just reminded me I'm up there and I'm thinking someone's going to have to get me off this mountain because I'm thinking I'm not going to be able to make it. Yeah. And sure enough, someone runs by, hey, you got this. Yep. That's why I got emotional when you said it. You can do this. Just that little. It's amazing, isn't and, it? And I, I would literally was like, oh, they just said something. And I swear on my life, as sure as we're sitting here today, I felt a surge of energy. Yep. And I, I so I couldn't agree more. And it was like, okay, I'm going to just... Even if I have to just take one step further, one step further, yep. I, I can do one more push-up, yep. whatever that looks like. And so, wow, that is That's intense, man. Thank you for sharing look that. Look to your left, look to your right. <laughs> wow. Um, there's a, and I, I want to share one more thing, Brady, if it's okay. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I had a client of mine who shared this in a group setting, and I put it to my memory because I did not want to forget it. And he was quoting someone else but it was his version of it. And here's what he said. He said, I tried to find myself, myself I could not see. I tried to find my God, 
My God eluded me. I tried to find my brother. I found all three. Hmm. I was like, wow, there it is. That's what it's about. Yeah. And I would imagine if, if it's okay for me to say you've had plenty of God moments when you're out there trying to find these Down syndrome kids who have nothing, zero. And here you come in with what you're doing with this foundation and just with your big heart, you and your wife. I mean, how, I, I would imagine you have you see the face of God, you find yourself, you find the meaning of life and the list goes on through all of that process because you're going out to find them. Is that fair? 100%. I'd love to capture that quote that you had shared. That's yeah. a very meaningful quote. And um, as you were sharing it, just my heart goes to uh, those kids that I've seen. Um, we've, we've been fortunate to travel to um, different locations in the world and, and meet children in orphanages. I've gone in firsthand and seen those kids and in particular those kids with special needs and like my heart just goes towards them. And yeah. I see what happens when somebody gives those kids a shot. Yeah. I see a kid that is crib ridden, that doesn't have any shot at life, all of a sudden flourish and the light in their eyes grow. And I see them become who they are divinely appointed to become. Yeah. And this is the best part. I see the families that looked outside themselves and took a huge risk yeah. and got way uncomfortable to invite this kid with special needs into their family. I see them in the process becoming who they're supposed to become as well. Wow. People always say, Coop hit the jackpot. Man, Coop's just, yeah. he's so lucky that he got adopted and you guys are a great family and there's no question, Coop, Coop is in a great place. Sure. But the person and the people that are getting the biggest blessing are us. Yeah. And not just us, but the community. Not just the community, but the entire area, his school, everybody that he comes in contact with, they're the ones that are getting the biggest blessing. And here's the thing that's about that's unique about this thing with adoption. This is a generational impacting yeah. decision. Andrea and I adopting Coop in 2016, yes, it impacts our kids right now, but it's going to impact our unborn grandkids that Uncle Coop is going to yes. have influence yeah. on kids that haven't even been born yet. And it's very possible that kids that don't even meet Coop are still going to be impacted by Uncle Coop, even when he's long, long gone. And that's just the unique thing, the tender yeah. mercy that adoption is. And hey. so... Those are the thoughts that I had as no, you shared thank, that. Thank you. And I can attest to it. I mean, I was around Coop for about an hour mm -hmm. when we met at Good Things Utah, and he had an impact on my life. Yeah. He sat right next to me in the green room. And he, <laughs> he was did. showing me stuff. He was <laughs> coloring. He was talking to me. He was just, it. I was just like, man, this kid, like, again, the feeling, and I can see why you say what you say. You, we're all, the, especially you guys, but everyone he comes in contact, we're, we're the ones that are blessed. That's right. Because, again, You've given him a chance to be who he was born to actually be. That's right. Right? All those kids need is a shot. So all the more reason why this foundation is so important, right? Making a difference and an impact. And all these doors are starting to open up. And again, you're going out to it's throw working. another ball here pretty soon. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, the list goes on and on. And, you know, I, 
there's other things we could talk about. I mean, you've been very successful in business and we could talk about all that. That's how we initially met. But again, it pales in comparison for all the stuff you're doing now. I mean, again, you're just a good person, Brady. Everyone who knows you, I just loves you. I mean, the feeling you bring into this room just by what you're sharing is amazing, right? Everyone Mm -hmm. watching this and listening to this, it's amazing, right? This is why I do this, is to hear these things and can't thank you enough for spending some time with me today and and sharing these things. Well, I appreciate that. And like my heart goes back to like, I was just one of those kids that just needed a shot. Like I just needed a shot. And, and my adoptive father gave me a shot and I'm going to spend the rest of my life paying it forward because I know what those kids experience. And it's um, just an honor and a privilege to get to serve the pain that I knew best in this very special way. But your words are very kind and (laughs) I appreciate that. And, you know, we're all just doing the best with the hand that we've been dealt. And so that's, that's all the best that we can do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I have a quote on this back wall here. Do you mind reading that to us? I would love to because I was reading that earlier and it was very impactful. It says, the meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. Yeah, Pablo Picasso. Yeah. And that's really what's going on here. You you found your gift in the, in the struggles and the trials that you went through. Yep. And once you found it, you're like, I'm going to give it away. Yep. And that's, I mean, that describes you perfectly. You know, in closing, I want you to speak to the camera, to the one person who is right now listening or watching you, who's struggling, who's in a dark place, and they're not sure what to do. What would you tell that person? You've already shared some cool things, but what's what would you tell that person right now? Let's look um, right to that camera there. Absolutely. Um, I, I actually can envision that person in my mind and as if they're right there I would say I love you and we got this Mm. it's not over till it's over right nothing Mm. nothing is too difficult to be able to not overcome it and you're not alone we're in this together and we can do this together I genuinely would say literally reach out to me find me on like my email is super simple it's brady at rods.org like email me let's get on a phone call we are in this together. Let's go get through this together. Ooh, beautifully said. There you go, guys. So if people do want to reach out to you, you got your email, how can they find out more about the foundation yeah. and things like that? What's the best way for them to connect with you? We make it super simple. So our website is rods.org, R-O-D-S.org. Our Instagram okay. is Rods Heroes. And um, and then, you know, you got my email, Brady at rods.org. And I, I mean this. I... Anybody who is in need, um, reach out to me. I want to help you. And I will always do my very best to be a great teammate because people have done that for me and I'm just trying to pay it forward. Beautiful. Amen. (laughs) Thanks for having me on, Oh, you bet. Thanks for being here, Brady. You're a good man and I'm grateful to know you. I'm a better person for knowing you. I'm better just by sitting here, right? We're, (laughs) We're better just hearing this and it makes me want to do more and be better. Hopefully you feel the same way. Again, thanks to my sponsors for giving me a chance to share these amazing stories. Um, it, this is what it's about. You know, like you said, it's at the end of the day, it's about the kids. And really, this is about helping people like, mm-hmm. like Coop, 
and uh, and these kids. So please share this episode with everyone you know and your family. Uh, if you have someone who's struggling, they need to hear Brady's words. Send this link to this episode to them. They will be f- they will be filled up with love and gratitude, and with that desire that you can get through this. It's never over until it's over, right? So thank you for being here once again, yeah. Brady. And everyone, I love you. Thanks for believing in me. Until next time, take care.